Welcome to the Be Brave podcast, where ordinary, badass, brave women speak their stories of courage and strength. We hope that by hearing the struggles and successes of women just like you, it will help you be brave. Please note that the Be Brave podcast does cover adult topics that include overcoming adversity in areas of sexual abuse, addiction, depression, and other difficult experiences. Today, we are with Sabita Morrison. Sabita owns Sabita Holistic Center, a local woman-owned business in Southport, Connecticut. She founded her holistic center 19 years ago with a passion to bring integrative health into a friendly, nurturing, and private atmosphere that allowed people to feel good and get better fast. As a young woman, Sabita suffered with endometriosis and struggled to get answers from doctors about her health. Since that time, she was diagnosed with three different types of cancers. Through her work at the Holistic Center, Sabita has made it her mission to empower women to be their own health advocate by introducing the women's empowerment superhero, Uterisa. Uterisa is a cartoon superhero created to represent a woman who knows how to fight the physical, emotional, and spiritual struggles that come with her gender. She is currently being used as an educator, utilizing Connecticut state standards for social, emotional, and sexual health in the curriculum for sixth to eighth graders. Exploring topics of wellness and self-care, Uterisa is able to reflect upon the power inside her body and teach women and girls of all ages how to use their unique strength. Sabita and her husband, Scott, live in Black Rock, Connecticut. Welcome, Sabita. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Sabita, we're so excited to have you with us today. I'm going to read to you a quote that we read to all of our guests. One day, you will tell your story of how you've overcome what you're going through now, and it will become part of someone else's survival guide. And we appreciate you being here, sharing your story and helping our listeners survive and thrive like you have. And Kara just read a hell of an intro. Three types of different cancers is more than any one human should ever have to endure. I'm hoping that you can tell us when you started to learn about yourself and your unique abilities and learn to listen to your intuition. Can you bring us back to that time? Well, first of all, I have to say that quote makes me want to cry. Powerful, powerful quote. And I need to I need to share that one. So thank you so much for sharing that that quote. I think when I started to learn more about myself is when I started getting my period at 10 and a half years old. You know, most of us are not aware how when you get your period early or when you get your period late, how that changes the estrogen in your body. And most of the time we just think of estrogen as excess emotion, but it's also an amazing tool that helps me and others to become more in tune with what they are really feeling. What are they really thinking? So I'd have to say that when I was 10 and a half years old, I started getting my period. And from 
literally 25 years, I suffered with horrible, horrible periods. Um, So much so that I was out of school probably a week and a half every single month. I'm 44 years old. So uh, they labeled it at the time as mono, right? That was what was in vogue at the time. Mono, everybody's got once a month mono. Right, right. Exactly. Come on, people. <laughs> <laughs> and then they do what they do. You know, they try to put you on birth control pills. They try to put you on antidepressants and anxiety as opposed to addressing, you know, what is actually going on. My mom had endometriosis. My mom at 35 years old had a complete hysterectomy because I can remember, I can hear my mom wailing with her periods. Oh my God. I went to the same gynecologist as my mother. No one put two and two together about it being endometriosis. Holy cow. You know, I had started my business when I was, I don't know, 24, 24 and a half. And I didn't get married until I was 35 years old. I was that's what my baby was, was my business. So it wasn't until then that I started actually thinking more about having children. And after, by that point in time, after 25 years of complaining about these bad periods, I finally found a doctor who did some laparoscopic surgery, found out that I had endometriosis and had to remove my left ovary and my left fallopian tube because of my, because of my endometriosis. And, you know, at the time I had, was engaged, I, I wasn't ready to have a baby before getting married. And I said to the doctor, I'm, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait until I get married. And after getting married, I went back to the doctor and found out that I had stage one uterine cancer. All along, I always knew that there was something wrong. And I never gave up, as the doctor said, complaining. When you pick up your paperwork and you look at what the doctor said, patient complained, patient complained, patient complained, patient complained, all of my complaining, as I wanted to say, that there was something wrong with me that just did not feel right. And I'm so grateful that I paid attention to all of the signs and symptoms of having a bad period, having low energy, having back pain, having tiredness, all the things that we just, I mean, you take a look at today's tampon commercial and you're supposed to be running a marathon. Oh my God. Yep. It's supposed to be the happiest time of your life. Exactly. And so, you know, that just burns out your adrenals and your uh, your hormone regulation. And I just knew that there wasn't something right. I also also do believe that there is a reason for everything. And I I definitely believe that all of the things that did happen to me, like being ignored for 25 years about painful periods or you know, looking different. I'm Indian. I grew up in an all white community. I, you know, I'm Indian. I, I I was Indian before Indian was on trend, you know, like, so I wasn't on trend yet. So I think all of those things that happened that made life feel more difficult only honestly helped me to become more in tune with myself, which 
honestly only makes me to be a much better empathetic person. And in that case makes me much more successful in my business because it it makes me a better healer. I'm much more in tune in asking the right questions and asking a hell of a lot of questions. I think the the years of not being asked the questions really taught me that you have to ask the questions because so many symptoms look the same and you really need to probe a little deeper so that maybe you take a right instead of taking a left. You know, Sabita, that is so incredible how you say that. And Karen and I had a gynecologist on as an expert. She she calls herself the sexpert and she deals with women who have mostly, you know, painful sex or hormone issues or things like that. And she said her, you know, her whole industry was doing a disservice by not only not asking enough questions, but not asking the right question. You know, people don't want to talk about painful anything. And who wants to complain all the time, right? Like you picked up your records and every medical visit starts with patient C slash O complains of. Because you don't come in to see a healthcare practitioner without complaints. Yeah. And those are normal. You're supposed to have a complaint. That's why you're there to see a healthcare practitioner. But if the healthcare practitioner doesn't know the right questions to ask you, you might not know how to what to, what information to give to get the right answers. So you as a young woman knew something's not right. I just needed to keep going back and hopefully somebody's going to ask me the right question to get to the bottom of this. So as a practitioner, you've learned that yourself. It sounds like that, hey, I need to do a lot of probing. I need to do a lot of question asking to help my folks because I didn't get that when I was sick and when I needed help. I think like there's a couple moments that really stand out in my mind. And, and one of the moments was when my doctor wanted to put me on Lupron and wanted me to stop my because of my endometriosis, they wanted me to go in Lupron. And sorry, what is Lupron? Lupron is used for many different things. Lupron is used when you're doing IVF, but you know, fertility drugs, like it helps to control your estrogen, progesterone. It helps to balance things out. Okay. It's a heavy duty drug and it's not covered by insurance. And I remember uh, talking to my clients and I love that I have such a wide range and also different diversities of clients in my office. And I remember women of every color, I mean, from Asian to African-American telling me, do not take Lupron. They were the ones that were all suffering with the long list of side effects. Wow. Like suicide, like, like homicide, homicide, suicidal thoughts, rheumatoid arthritis, lupus. And when, you know, I'm, I'm married to a white guy and to have to say to my white guy husband and to the doctor, Hey, I don't really want to take this medicine because of my ethnicity. That was a pain in the ass. And then the deeper that I looked, this medicine that cost so much money was literally only tested on 38 women and 32 of them were white. We're having us take major drugs without looking at different ethnicities and different ethnicities need different levels of medication. That's not even enough people, period. Like that's not enough of a base, right? I mean, come on, I'm not a doctor, but 38 people, 38 people and not for nothing, but most of us don't fit into the standard process 
standard protocol of care. And a lot of these studies that are being done, you know, they're not looking at the whole entire picture. So that really was quite alarming to me. And it made me realize that I needed to, I didn't want to come in here as an angry person because nobody wants to hear you. I needed to come into this room as an educated person so that I could create the connections that I was looking for. Because in reality, I want to stay alive and so don't need to be in battle with what you think and what I think. I, I'm trying to find a connection so that I can I can live longer. And also the understanding is that of like how different brain works, you know, different, different brains look at different things. Uh, uh, a therapist's brain is very different than an accountant's brain or a mathematician's brain. And most doctors, they're more mathematicians, right? They don't take into account your lifestyle or, or any of those things, you know, they just look at, at a number to say that, okay, this is, this works the majority of people. It, Sabita, I have known a handful of people, I probably know more, but a handful of people have told me they've suffered with endometriosis at some point in their life. And every single one of them have said that it was a long process for doctors to actually diagnose them. Now, I've been lucky and my periods, I would have cramps here and there with my periods. I would not have painful periods. I can't imagine it is supposed to be normal to have an incredibly painful period where you're missing school or work. So I, I don't understand why there wasn't or there isn't more of a uh, a necessity to, to figure this out, research it, whatever, or just diagnose it, like believe the person. Problem is also is that there's no cure and that it is, it's an autoimmune disease and it's an autoimmune disease that stays with you for the rest of your life. You know, I had... I started out with uterine cancer. I had uterine cancer for five years. For five years, I would go from stage one uterine cancer and then I'd be cancer free and then I would do IVF. And I mean, it was there was a lot of shame that I felt. There was a lot of shame that I felt as a well owner of a wellness center to have all these testimonials of being able to help other people and cure other people. Why can't I cure myself? So for five years, I went all over the everywhere. I can't even tell you how many different doctors I went to, to try to figure out how to fix me so that I could, I could have a baby. And after five years of going back and forth from, and by the way, when you're in IVF, you're in a hundred percent desperate mode. And one of the tests that they give you is something called an AMH test. And an AMH test is something that I wish, and I tell my female clients that, that are in their twenties that they should do because your AMH test, when you go to your OBGYN tells you the quality and the quantity of your eggs. It's an easy, simple blood test. And when I came back to my regular OBGYN and said, why didn't we ever talk about my AMH in my, in my 20s? And he said, because women are not in the thought process of family planning at that time. You know, it goes from not thinking about family planning to family planning. And for some women, it's they're they're way down the road, or they have things like endometriosis that creates more more scar tissue. So I went from doing that to then having ovarian cancer, and then did six months of chemo for stage one ovarian cancer. 
after I did six months of chemo for ovarian cancer, full hysterectomy, nothing. I then got stage three endometrial cancer. What? Yeah, you can you can still have endometriosis without having any of your body parts. That's that's the reason why women can be in their 80s and get ovarian cancer. You know, when things don't flow out, they flow back up. You know, that's the reason why like digestion, digestion issues leads to acid reflux in your esophagus, right? Like that's what happens, right? It's leaky gut happens, right? When we don't, when, when our blood does not, when we have our period and it does not flow out, it flows back up. And those, that, those estrogen receptors, they, they attach to everything. I mean, I literally have, uh, tumors in my brain. I literally have to look at endometriosis and it's a bigger part of why, uh, heart disease is a big issue with women. Endometriosis is so not looked at and thought about, but it's, it's so much more connected to so many bigger health issues for women. Because, you know, it doesn't just stay in its part. It, 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 those estrogen receptors attach to other things. So Sabita, you just said a mouthful, a right. whole bunch of stuff that personally, I can't imagine. I cannot imagine trying to have a baby and going through IVF because that's really, really hard. And like you said, you're kind of desperate and you're doing up in the air, desperate measures to, you know, everything that goes along with that to find out that you had uterine cancer and then ovarian cancer and then endometrial cancer and, and then it metastasized to your brain. Oh yeah. It goes, it goes all over the place. Endometriosis. I know, but you have cancer of the brain. No, no, no. Oh, thank God. I no, thought years no, metastasized no, no. to the brain. I have to regularly get brain scans. We as women, we minimize things like brain fog and headaches and all of these things that are that are not saying that that means that you have cancer, but it's signs that there's some that there is an imbalance, that there's inflammation in your system. And stress is not a little word. Stress is a big word because an inflammation. inflammation. And that's cornerstone to disease. Yeah. Right. That's like, that's when we start kicking up the dust of our genetics, right? We want to keep that dust under the rug. (laughs) Yes, we do. And then we start kicking up that dust with stress. It creates inflammatory spots. So just for our listeners right now, because I'm sure they're like I am, where are you with your cancer? When before we got on the podcast, you said you were in remission, and some of us, some people spend a lifetime in remission, which is is a good thing if you have that kind of cancer that never gets cured but can be in remission forever. So you shared with us before the podcast that that's where you were. Can you share with our our listeners? It sounds like you went through treatment too, and how was that for you? And how did you get to the other side? And we see Karen, I see a beautiful, happy obviously really productive human who's out there making the world a better place. So tell us how you got there and what, you know, what brought you there? Well, first of all, Sabita means beautiful sunshine in Sanskrit. So it is an an important thing that I look to as a source. But the word Sabita has been used for many different things, many adjectives, many verbs. It's been used as a Sabiting. Sometimes people come in for a sabiting. 
assumption. Is that a term you coined or? No, one of my clients has coined that. (laughs) A woman who has worked for me, we were out for drinks one night and she said, you're a real Sabita, but you can also be a real Sabitia. (laughs) Oh, wow. I think it's the acceptance of all of our layers. We are so many layers and my journey has really, really just allowed me to be more accepting of all of my layers, my beautiful sunshine, my sabitia, my speedings. It, it has made me <laughs> very aware of my layers and instead of hiding from them. Because, you know, as I said before, like there's there's a lot of shame and shame creates a lot of ickiness, you know, within us. May 5th, 2020, I had this tailbone pain and I knew something was wrong. And I had just finished chemo. I was six months free from from chemo. I thought I was ready to conquer the world. I was done with cancer. And I felt this tailbone pain. And my husband literally had to drop me off at, at the doorstep at Memorial Sloan Kettering. And I woke up the next morning with something called a bowel resection, something called a vagectomy and something called an omectomy. So there is something momentum that covers your, all of your digestion organs. So when I, when I woke up with that and alone with that, I was so devastated, but I had no one to turn to. I was by myself. Yeah. And to really, Because of COVID, right? Yeah. May 5th, 2020, nobody was allowed in the hospital. You couldn't have anybody with you. So here's your husband dropping you off at the doorstep, not knowing what's going to go on with you. Scared himself. You're scared to death. And you're waking up with all of this major surgery. Oh, my God. Making up with stage three. I have to tell you, as an adult, I don't know if anybody's wiped your butt as an adult, but it is quite a humbling experience as an adult. It really, really is. And it brought me back to a very, very humble space, but also a reminder of I am a damn fighter. I am going to try to have as much grace as I possibly can with this. And when the doctors told me that they had found an autoimmune drug and that I would go to Sloan Kettering every six weeks, And I would, for the next two years, that's what I did. And in Hinduism, um, when you go to the temple, you always bring an offering. You bring fruit, you bring flowers. And so every six weeks when I would go into treatment, I would bring bags and bags of clementines. And anybody that I saw, I would give them clementines because I needed to change how I looked at my experience. I was walking into this place and I was every six weeks thinking I was going to die. And I was scared. I was scared of everybody. And I was scared because, like you said, I don't look like I have cancer, right? And so I made an effort to not look like I had cancer and also not feel like I had cancer and to make sure that I treated everybody as if they were a, uh, a god and a goddess and they were here. From the janitor to the security guard to the woman sitting next to me, I I gave them an offering. And I had to really do that so that I could really soothe my anger 
and soothe my fear, right? That's really what my brand is all about. My brand is realistic, holistic. You know, how do I really, how do I understand how all of these 12 systems work together? And how can I realistically be my best in whatever that day situation is? So yeah, I mean, now I just finished in June, two years of um, autoimmune medication. Unfortunately, there is a global shortage of contrast in the world still. And unfortunately, it comes from one place in Shanghai, China. Crazy. (laughs) Yep. And so, you know, when my doctor told me after my two years, what was up in June, that, you know, we're going to take you off of this medicine. We're going to have you come and do a scan every three months. And then I went to go have my scan and I see that, you know, I'm drinking something that I normally take when I have a colonoscopy. It's not the, it's not the stuff that I normally have. And, and they're just trying to cue me so that nobody else, I don't create a ruckus and that we can just all walk in as soldiers and not ask any questions as to why am I not having this? And so when I got back my scan and my doctor said, good news, you can get off the medicine and we're just going to scan you every three months. I had mixed feelings. You know, as much as I dreaded going there every six weeks, at least every six weeks, I had someone telling me that I'm okay. I was also not fully trusting in the contrast, but then I went back trusting my good old intuition which has been with me from the get-go. And I just decided that, okay, every three months, the week that I have that I have my scan, I just make sure that I, I am even nicer to myself. I make sure that I schedule a facial. I make sure that I go out to dinner with my friends. I make sure that I, I read. You know, one of the nicest things about being sick is that you get to know how much people love you, right? Before you're dead. You get to find out. <laughs> so one of the nicest things was that my first chemo treatment, my sister had reached out to I think like forty or fifty people and said, "Tell me what you love about Sabita." And it was so great to hear so many different people tell you why they love you, and to have people who have never met other people say a lot of the same things about you. You know, I I take that time to fill up my cup so that it helps me to accept that I am going to feel a a certain amount of stress the week of my scan, but I I do my best to, to fill my cup up. And then honestly, what I, what I do for a living, you know, I, I, I own a wellness center only because, you know, I went to school for business. I thought I was going to be in the corporate world. I, I wanted to be like Heather Lackler and Melrose Place and <laughs> in college was starting a woman's spa. And so when I went back, when I graduated college and did corporate and hated it and went to Memorial Sloan Kettering, I never, never knew that after my 15 plus years of working with cancer patients, a beginning of cancer, end of stage cancer, I never in a million years would have thought that I would have then been a cancer patient, but I'm so, so grateful for all of those steps because it's only made me a better patient. It's only made me a better advocate, not just for my patients that do have cancer, but for, for my quote unquote healthy patients, because I'm all about prevention. So it helps me to remind them about 
the signs and symptoms to, you know, take a deeper look into. That's awesome. I think sometimes, you know, when we have a bad hand dealt to us, we can look for the gifts and opportunities that are in that bad hand. And it sounds like that's what you've done, Sabita, is that you've looked for gifts and opportunities throughout this many, many, many year journey of many different types of cancer being thrown at you and not being heard to finally listening to your intuition and and being heard. One of my, um, I have this amazing, I love that I have families that come to me. It's such a gift that I have parents and grandparents and nieces and nephews and, and be able to make a difference in, in different generations. And I had this woman who was in her seventies and fantastic woman and came to me for 15 years and she had a level of anxiety and her anxiety created all of these pulmonary issues. And I remember one day so much so that she couldn't walk up the steps any longer. And so one day I was supposed to go work on her and I call her and she's in the hospital. And I say to her, Ellen, you know, I, I'm going to just come visit you in the hospital. And I go and I visit Ellen in the hospital. And this poor woman is on so many medications. And I ask her how she's doing. And she says, well, I've been sitting in my feces for the last 45 minutes. In walks in, the nurse, the doctor, I think the janitor, I mean, like 12 different people walk into the room and nobody asks me who I am. And they tell Ellen, you know, Ellen, we need to let you know that you're dying and you have six weeks to live and you have an infection. And here are two glossy brochures of the two hospice places you can go to. Oh my God. And uh, I remember like rubbing her back and I couldn't say anything. She's not my mother. And the doctor is leaving and and asking Ellen, like, should I call the, should I call your daughters? What should I do? And, and she didn't want to call her daughters because her daughters were going to Disney that weekend. And I stayed with Ellen. And, and at, by the time I finally left Ellen, I run into her daughter and, and the, in the elevator. And the daughter says, I'm so glad it was you, Sabita, because we were, the doctor was supposed to wait there for us. But because you were there, Ellen was able to just focus on herself instead of, consoling her daughters. And for the next six weeks, I th- I think I saw Ellen every single day until I couldn't see Ellen any longer. And I said to her, when am I supposed to learn from this? Like, why did this happen? I had just been diagnosed with uterine cancer. What am I supposed to learn from this? And she said, what I want you to learn is to forgive. I want you to for- learn to forgive yourself and to forgive other people. And at her funeral, I remember the priest saying he'd never been to somebody's house as often as he went to Ellen's house because there were so many people that she had to ask for forgiveness and and to give forgiveness too. And I think so much of our life, we carry around so much added shit. (laughs) I'm carrying some added shit, Sabita. What do I do? (laughs) And so being with her really, really just made me much more present and, 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 and much more willing to forgive others, forgive myself and also learn from, all right, what do I, what are some of the things that are just a bitch? Yeah. And things that I do want to work on because it would actually make my life and other lives better. That's awesome. 
It, you got my co-host here in tears. That oh, often happens God. on this podcast. That our Rita. listeners can't see that face of yours, Kara. I see you over there. She, you know what? It started. I'm just. I was so touched, Savita, by your strength when you talked about. Well, I just decided I was going to take an offering with me, and I brought clementines with me and offered them. And I'm thinking, I. That would probably be the last thing I would think of, but what a beautiful thing to try and turn like, okay, let me turn this into not the day I have to go get treatment, but how about the day that I bring some clementines and sunshine to some other people who will need it? I'm like, that just so touched me. And then of course the story about, about Ellen, I'm like, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit of a puddle over here. I'm sorry, but I'm just so I'm like so incredibly touched by your story and your strength. So many people would get angry, Sabita, right? We hear that too. Like you get dealt a bad hand of cards and, and you know, the Kubler-Ross, right? Steps of, of acceptance or dying or whatever you want to call it. You go through some phases that are really serious and to find generosity and grace and forgiveness in times when you're dealing with your own potential demise is really touching Kara I agree because honestly selfishly it helps me to feel less alone I definitely get something out of it and and I I can see I mean so many of us are in a rut and that rut can can really just bring you downhill and 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 so And honestly, like those experiences have only allowed me to have way deeper experiences and on different vibrational levels than I would ever, ever think of. I, uh, one of my friends who I, who I grew up with is this Will, if Will listens to this, Hey, Will, Will, I grew up with him. He is this big Puerto Rican dude and Will is working on being a shaman. And he's just awesome, right? And so my husband was away on a boys trip and Will says, hey, I'm going to the shaman thing and we're going to talk to the dead. Do you want to come? And I said, well, first of all, Will, I'm home alone. So please don't send any boogeyman home with me. And the other thing is I'm not ready to be a shaman. So I hope this is no recruitment party. (laughs) And I went to Will's house and I met his new kitten and his new kitten's name was Clementine. And then I went to the group and everybody looked normal. And they're they're telling me how they see all these like good energies around me. And and I'm thinking, uh oh, I hope they don't see this thought, one thought of boy, these people are weird, right? You're seeing all these other thoughts. And I tell them about my Clementines and how I use them to deal with my anger. And then it's my turn for someone from my someone from the dead to come to talk to me. And they said, you know, your dad's brother, who used to live on an island, wants to tell you to tell your dad to let go of his anger. Well, I had just gotten back from Hawaii to visit my dad's brother, Uncle Clement, who had just died. Wow. Yeah. And when I told my family this situation, six weeks later, my mother comes to my sister and I and tells us that my dad just went through 28 rounds of radiation for non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Shame is a dirty, dirty word. Mm -hmm. And that opportunity 
whatever, however my dad wanted to package it of wanting to protect us, all of that jazz, right? That opportunity allowed me to, I would never in a million years would have allowed my heart and my head and my soul to be open to be able to have experiences like that. That was just so cool. And healing on a deeper level. Like, you know, my father probably would have just kept that a secret to us. And we would have thought he was just being his usual grumpy self, you know, like, like a lot of men do, you know, like when, when they're feeling pain, you know, how people hide what they're really feeling. And for me, me wearing my feelings on my sleeve, me having that kind of vulnerability, honestly, just opens the doors for me to have a better conversation and, and, and help others to feel comfortable with their own stuff. And for me, like when they, you know, TikTok, the big thing on TikTok is why emotional, when you don't heal your emotional trauma, why you don't get well. Well, emotional trauma, if we break it down really simple, is just an impulse in the body, you know, an insulin impulse, a reaction of cortisol in the body. So instead of us continuing to like feel the same pain and shame, when we just call it out, it just makes it so much easier to just move through it. That's so true. Everything you just said is so great, Sabita. So tell us a little bit more about what your wellness, your holistic center does. And then I I have a a question, a burning question I need to ask you after you do that. (laughs) Okay. So basically, my holistic center is just an opportunity for me to be victorious of over all the things that make me feel like a victim. So, my- <laughs> so what an honest answer. I know. <laughs> totally true. You know, we have a corporate wellness program. It's called Crush Burnout. You know, I hated working in the corporate world. It I'm either assertive or I'm I'm aggressive. And there we and and it creates it it actually creates, you know, more healthcare costs for a company. So one of the things that we do is we we work with corporations on how we help them to reduce their healthcare costs. Um, because I just hated corporate life and I and and I see I have so many CEOs and CIOs and CFOs and blah blah blahs. They come to me and I see what stress does to the bottom line of a, of a company's profit. And also in our wellness center, we work with individuals. We work with individuals from 19 to 96, which is so fun. And the way that we connect with clients from 19 to 96 is we use fun, right? Fun is universal. Facts. Facts are universal. And then points of familiarity. It doesn't matter where you were born, where you grow up. I don't care if you're from Ukraine, if you're from Uganda, people sing, people hum, right? That is one way that we self-soothe our vagus nerve, right? Our vagus nerve is that fight flight nerve in our body that is there to protect our heart and our lungs. So we use tools, fun facts and familiarity to really connect to the foundation, the things we learned when we were li- little, like how to get along, your <laughs> <And laughs> hip bones connected to the knee bone, and you know our, the five senses, and why do we have taste buds, and 
all of those things that are our are, are foundation that we live in such an overly stimulated world that we really forget the basics. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So we really, for, we really forget the basics. So finding the ways to communicate, you know, if I'm talking to a cardiologist, I'm not talking about your, your third eye, right? But guess what? Your pineal gland, your third eye, and in Chinese medicine, your governing meridian, it's all in the same space. So also just understanding, I think that's where my business and my, my communication background comes into play as to why I'm still in business is understanding how to communicate so that somebody actually hears me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, important. We do massage, we do acupuncture, we do, we do one-on-one services in the wellness center. But Every session always begins with a conversation so that we know whatever we're dealing with. We don't ever have a woman come in who has back pain without asking her where she is in her cycle, right? We want to get to the root cause of what is going on. Awesome. So Sabita, what would you tell if you were able to go back to your 10 and a half year old self? What would you tell her? I would tell my 10 and a half year old self to continue to believe in yourself. Continue to believe in yourself. If you asked me what would I would tell my 25 year old self, that was that was a question that was asked on a different podcast. What would you tell your 25 year old self? So that listen, it's great that you have I'm all about women empowerment. I'm all about sexual empowerment, but each penis creates a different inflammatory response. And that is why some sex smells and some sex does not smell. So infertility is not just because we wait longer to have children or because of endometriosis or a polycystic ovary system. It's also because of the scar tissue that's created from all of that poking that goes on that might not be, someone might not be worth your inflammatory response. (laughs) I love that. Honestly, when I first said that, and I said, and it was two men, they looked at me with their eyes, with their mouth wide open. And I said, (laughs) <laughs> I take that back. Does that sound slutty? And they said, that makes me think more about, am I worth this woman's inflammatory response? And when I spoke to my clients about it that are OBGYNs and feminists and blah, blah, blah. And I said, should I share this information with them? Because women are not, we think about family planning when we're older. We don't think about that when we're in our 20s, you know, that that is just something to to think about it, that in your 20s. Not everybody's worth your inflammatory. I love that. I, I wish somebody had said that to me in my 20s. <laughs> would it have mattered? I don't know that it would have mattered. I think it might have mattered. <laughs> Girl, I'm not sure well, it would have mattered. What I love about you, Teresa, is, is having the conversations, not just with young girls, when I did the survey about, because today's young girl is very different than I was as a young girl. I mean, we're now in the world of pronouns and all this and that. Like, what are the things that they want to talk about? And, you know, some of the things that they educated me was about like, how to use masturbation 
to sleep better, how to use masturbation to uh, when you want to when you want to clear your mind to study. And I had this conversation with my girlfriends. Like I said, I'm 44 years old and especially with my Catholic girlfriends. And <laughs> they were like, you know, that that was a taboo conversation. Oh, yeah. So it also that tool helped them to, you know, if you they wanted to have sex, they wanted to have sex, but they didn't have sex to have a boy like that. There's a big difference in that, you know? Oh, yeah. And having actually really coming from a place of real empowerment, real sensuality, real sexuality, being able to own that. Yeah, I I was going to ask you about uterisa, and I'm glad you brought it up. Can you just tell me how she was created? Um, and we're gonna give every we're gonna give our listeners uh, your web address so that you can see everyone can see a picture of uterisa, who is awesome. Thank you so much. So. I really believe that we all need mentors. I have many mentors. I think it's important to have mentors that are older than you and as as well as mentors that are younger than you. And I have this fantastic young woman who is saving up money for her to go to grad school. She's going to uh, Columbia for public health. And I remember the FOMO I felt of the wanting wanting sympathy or empathy for having having cancer, but also didn't want everybody to know that I had cancer. And so I had some FOMO. And this young, amazing woman said, you know, let's pray and an advocate that empowers women about their brain and body. And I was so grateful that we came up with that idea. And that's how um, Uterisa was born. And I was so grateful that at the end of the time that Jackie Walls, shout out to Jackie Walls and Uterisa, she's doing amazing things in the world, this young, amazing woman that, you know, when she came to work for me, her goal was in life was to make sure that everybody had access to the magical $3 pill. And after working at my center, she realized that it's much more of an integrated process. If people are not pooping regularly, the three <laughs> pill means nothing. <laughs> so that, those are one of the systems that you know that have to work properly. Yeah, for our for our hormones to work properly, you know, our our pelvic floor holds our reproductive as well as our elimination organs, and a lot of the time, women are constipated or they have IBS or. They have other things like leaky gut that create issues that then in tune create more gynecological issues. So great. She's a great superhero advocate. I know. I love it. I love her. She looks great. I love the uterus on her <laughs> chest. I know. I've noticed that too, Kara. So great. You know, the thing to do like when I'm with a client is, and again, universal, right? Fun facts, familiarity. It doesn't matter. Every culture has superheroes, right? Doesn't matter what culture, all superheroes, they look the same. Like they all have their chest out, right? What's so fascinating is where that gland is, is the same, the gland that creates confidence and courage that gives you all that superhero is also the beginning of our stomach. And as we know, most of our brain is in our gut, not really in our so-called head. So it's been really fascinating to be able to just use 
simple, fun tools like that, that are memorable, that remind people when they are rounding their shoulders that, dun, 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 how can they find their own superhero? And it, it literally changes your brain body connection. Sabina, you've been an awesome guest. Your story is is really special. I don't know. The, the energy you bring to to your work and how you live your life and God, you live it like I've heard this said before. I don't know who said it, but you live it on purpose. Like everything, yeah, everything you do is seems purposeful. Patty and I, even though we're in Florida, we both are from Connecticut and have friends and family in Connecticut. So I will, the next time I'm coming up, I'm going to try and see you. Yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing that this week, Kara. I think I'm going to try and get that in there. Awesome. Also, just a reminder, like, please, ladies, we have to fill up our cup before we give to anybody else. Preaching to the choir, Sabita. (laughs) I make sure that I take care of myself before I take care of anybody else. You know, some of the fun things that we did in this podcast today was laugh, you know, laughing is so important. And so I make sure that I start my morning out with a good belly laugh. I make sure that I start my day grounded and, and walking outside so that I can see the trees and the birds and remind myself that human beings are not just a part of this ecosystem and watching how other things find harmony. And that honestly helps me to have more grace that fills up my cup to have something to give. And I think that when we don't do that, then we get exhausted. And so many people that are helpers have compassion fatigue. And so that is so important that we fill up our cup. So, you know, we have something to withdraw. Yeah. It's a great reminder. Such a great reminder and such a great way you said it. Um, Patty, do you have her, uh, Sabita's web address that we could share with everybody? I know our listeners are going to want to reach out to you, Sabita. So Sabita owns Sabita Holistic Center, and that is S is in Sam, A, B is in boy, I, T is in Tom, A, Holistic Center, Southport, Connecticut. So you could check her out at sabitaholisticcenter.com. You can find her LinkedIn, her Instagram, her Facebook, things right at the bottom of her website there. You'll see Uterisa there as well. And um, the best way to contact her outside of her website is LinkedIn. And on LinkedIn, her name is not yet changed to her married name. It's your maiden name, right? Sabita, S-A-B-I-T-A, Kanhai. Did I say that right? Kanhai? Good enough. Kanhai. It's K-A-N-H-A-I. So Sabita Kanhai on LinkedIn or SabitaHolisticCenter.com. Thank you so much for bringing your story of just overcoming adversity and and spreading good in the world. We need a lot more humans like you, Sabita. Thank you, ladies. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to my story. And uh, I can't wait to chat again. Great, Sabita. Thanks. We hope this podcast has inspired and empowered you to overcome what might be holding you back from living your best life. If you love this podcast, please share it with a woman you know who needs a little empowerment. Now go out in the world and be bold, be brave, be you. Perfectly imperfect you. With love, Kara and Patty. But I wonder what would happen if you say what you want to say and let the words fall.
I was going to say something else. Mixed and edited by Desmond McNeese for We Mixed It, LLC. Go to whatsoundsawesome.com. Cut. Um, Cut.